raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I was defending Steve Clifford. <laughs> Steve Clifford, I think he did a great job. You sound just like that guy. It's Wes. He's going to uh-huh. ask you to come and do press conferences for him just behind a black curtain so he doesn't have to do it. And Walker. I like Clifford, the, the big red dog. It was my favorite childhood <laughs> book. Getting in shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> I like dogs in general. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. That was- is a good book. One more hour to go here on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Granny Pat giving you the stamp of approval on the last fire or fizzle of the season. We got Panther Bo saying that was great. 704 number writing in that that was great sports talk radio. So people were a fan of it. They, I think they probably joined me in the standing ovation slash applause. We appreciate it. I appreciate it uh, very much, man. To the people that enjoy it, I try to put my all into it and give you good information and entertain you at the same time. Entertain. Fiddy told us that he didn't want to sacrifice the airtime. But when you do a couple of prod squad shows and you are a part of hosting it, and you got to fill a lot of airtime every segment of every hour that you're on air. Then you got a couple of podcasts. Fiddy's telling us he's a little fatigued. Yeah. How are you feeling, Fiddy? Because you have been working quite a bit, filling in for everybody, which is greatly appreciated, doing a great job with Flounder and Shroppy and, of course, Smoke. But how are you feeling as far as the fatigue level is concerned? Look, man, you can't give yourself the nickname The Station and then complain about the workload. <laughs> With that being said, <laughs> Jeff, if you're listening, thank you for a three-day weekend after a four-day weekend we had last week because my voice is a little tired. I remember the first time I ever did solo radio, and it was really early on, and I had zero clue what pacing was about. Mm. Just zero. And so I was doing a, I think it was a three-hour show, and I'm telling you, I, no exaggeration, I would love to find wherever that tape is. Would love to find it. Because I was in the last 45 minutes, I was able to hold on until like the last 45, 35, something like that. But I'm saying, for instance, if I'm just reading whatever, like uh, Bryce Young finally did a pretty good job. Um, No, he did a good job (laughs) against the Green Bay Packers. And, um, you know, I do think that uh, it was his best performance of the season. I'm telling you, it sounded bad. So you were just a winded Mitch Kupchak. Winded. I did. I did go Mitch Kupchak uh, impression at the beginning of that. But I was out of breath. I sound like an old man that needed desperately to take a break. And it was out there. There were a couple other times that I had to go solo before I was anywhere close to being ready. But yeah, man, it'll take a lot out of you. Like when you're just talking nonstop, especially if you're talking a hundred words a second, like I was turbo tongue. Yeah, man. That's like in 0809 when I was doing podcasts before it was a thing on, on blog talk radio. And I was doing three hours solo <laughs> and I had to make up commercials. So I could give myself a break. It's no joke, man. It's, well, and even again, if you just don't take breaks and I'm not to say that Fiddy wasn't taking breaks, it's yeah. just when you talk a lot more than usual, it's yeah. like, Ooh, did I just run a mile? Yeah. And even you, doing a daily show every day, you get home sometimes and you're like, yo, I don't feel like talking how it a is. bunch to people. I, yeah. I already had to talk. I have to talk three hours every day. All right. We need you to dig deep here, Fiddy. You got a little bit more. You got 15 more minutes in you? Oh, yeah. All right. Live wire time with Josh Fiddy Marlowe. 
fly wires on the team connect get respect for they realness i know you feel this all right well i know we've spent the majority of our show today talking and looking back at the the green bay game but it is thursday and carolina is getting ready for jacksonville their final road game of the year this upcoming sunday and you would think at two and 13 our radio host would be depressed And I think at different times of the sports season, we have been because the football has been that bad. The same can be said for Dan Hickens from 1010 in Jacksonville, who had this take about the Jaguars on Christmas. Playing for the number one seed in the AFC. Now they're eight and seven with absolutely no answers. And it stinks from the top all the way to the bottom. It stinks from the owner, the general manager, the head coach, the offense coordinator, the defense coordinator, the quarterback, the entire offense, the entire defense, the special teams, and anybody who is associated. If you're employed with the Jaguars, you stink. You're not doing your job. This is an absolute free fall by this football team, and it shouldn't be that way. Hi, everybody. Dan Hicken here. Merry Christmas. Um, I, oh, I love that at the end. Merry Christmas. After all of that, Merry Christmas. That's a great intro. I want to I want to clarify. That's Jacksonville, not not Philadelphia, not New York, not Boston. Jacksonville people at eight and seven losing their absolute minds. But Walker, you know, going back in the preseason, a lot of people were high on Jacksonville. Yeah. Peter King, Sal Palantonio had to be in the number one seed in the AFC. I might have bought into that a little bit as well when I did, I did my preseason predictions for the upcoming season. Do you feel like this game is gettable for Carolina given the current state of the Jags on the road? Yes, absolutely. I think this game is gettable. I don't know if I would bet money on Carolina winning because it's still not good practice to do that. Yeah, not not good practice to do that. But the Jacks have been downright awful for a month's worth of time now. Think about when this losing streak started for them. So this is Drake, this is Jake Browning's best game to start, right? So Jake Browning has to fill in for Joe Burrow. Not been good. But the offense doesn't look like it's clicking, which makes a lot of sense. You're trying to get over Joe Burrow's absence. It's it's going to be a tough assignment. They put up 34 points on that Jags defense that actually had been playing pretty well the first half. I think Josh Allen had been a pretty good pass rusher, like Pro Bowl worthy, at least getting that consideration. But Jake Browning and company put up 34 points. All right, now you have to hit the road, take on Cleveland, and they allow 31 points to Joe Flacco still, who's been playing well, but he's turning the ball over a lot. And yet they still allow 31 points. You get beat down by Baltimore. Understandable. They're a really good team. And then you get beat down by Tampa. Uh, that team looks lifeless. Trevor Lawrence is just turning over the football without pressure. Like they're just inexplicable fumbles when he's not even been getting hit that hard. There's times where he's throwing interceptions that he shouldn't be throwing. The run game has not gotten going at an efficient rate at all. Like I think ETN is awesome, but that offensive line has been really bad. And now you even have Trevor Lawrence saying, we don't even look like we practice. What do you think that does for the coaches? It's, it's really turning south. It reminds me a little bit, maybe not as much of the dis- the dysfunction, excuse me, I can talk. But like when you go back to that last year with Ron Rivera, where they go or not last year, but when they go six and two and then they finish with only one more win the second half, they start out six and two this year and they have two more games 
and I don't even know how much you can feel good about them making the playoffs. Yeah, this is absolutely gettable for Carolina. Yeah, I would say so as well. When you talk about a middle-of-the-pack offense, 13th and 12th in the NFL in points and yards, respectively. Uh, they haven't had a rusher go for more than 79 yards since week eight. They've had 10 turnovers the past four games. And, I mean, this defense, yeah, they're 11th in rushing yards, and I always hate to break both uh, down between rushing and passing uh, defense, but they're 29th in opponent pass yards per game, and they don't get to the quarterback 27th in sacks per game. So, yeah, this is a Jacksonville team that's reeling, looking for answers. And Carolina, even though they lost by three to Green Bay, I think it's going to come in a confident bunch with what they saw from Bryce Young and the crew. So uh, we know that confidence and, and how your mentality is coming into matchups is very vital, and I think this Two teams, even though Carolina's record is what it is, I think this is going to be the more confident bunch coming into Sunday's game. Well, and think about as I go over the last month of football for that Jacksonville defense, every quarterback is going off on them. Yeah. Every single one. Jake Browning, we can respect what he's doing in relief of Joe Burrow and also think Jacksonville should have played better defense against that guy. So you and also the defensive game plan, it's not just on the players. The defensive game plan has been terrible. So Jake Browning goes off. Joe Flacco goes off. Lamar Jackson helping his MVP case. Baker Mayfield was great in this game against Jacksonville. Every QB like going crazy. Not, oh, solid game. No, they're having great games against him. Maybe Bryce can be that next QB. All right, Walker, where the Charlotte Hornets are back in action tonight at the Lakers, but this piece of audio doesn't revolve around the game. It revolves around the Detroit Pistons, who have set the NBA record for most losses, consecutive losses at 27. Um, I'm pretty sure they'll pick up number 28 the next time they're on the basketball court. The schedule court. is really hard for them even still. And yesterday on FanDuel TV, uh, Sham Sharani has said that they could be interested in a specific Charlotte Hornet. The, the Pistons do want a four-man in free agency. They're going to be active. They have 50 to $60 million in cap space next summer. I'm told some names to keep an eye on. Pascal Siakam, Ojan Anubi, Tobias Harris, as well as Miles Bridges. And so this is 27 games and counting. They can try to go make a trade right now, but at this point, nothing is, is changing their season. Correct me if I'm wrong, Walker, but because Miles signed the qualifying offer, he basically has a de facto no-trade clause in this contract. Right to first refusal. All right. So with this report, could you see Detroit and Charlotte becoming trade partners, whether it's now at the deadline or maybe in the offseason to get Miles Bridges out of here and maybe get something in return for him? It's going to be really hard. It would be hard to sell Detroit as the team for Miles Bridges to waive his no trade clause for because this is a team that is losing at historic pace. It is home. It is home. You're exactly right. So that would be one of the reasons as to why maybe he would do that. Maybe he would just want to finish out his season with a different team if he doesn't think he's going to be back with Charlotte, but you're not going to a better situation. It would really have to be, hey, I want to go home badly and I can just go ahead and get that done sooner rather than later. I think it's going to be really hard. Maybe he just decides to go there after this season is up when he has unrestricted free agency. He can just sign there. Maybe that happens. But it would make some sense in some ways because we've seen this reported, too, before. Uh, We've always seen some reports about how Detroit was interested. The first free agent negotiations that we assumed were coming up until he was arrested for a felony domestic violence charge. Until that happened, Detroit was in the rumor mill about him possibly landing there. Yeah, my only qualms with the trade with Detroit is they have a lot of young assets to offer. And I think at this point, 
uh, with the Hornets. I think they got enough young guys in the locker room because if I look at it and say, well, what would I want in return? Maybe a Jalen Durham, Jay Nivey, somebody like that. Kate Cunningham, who says no? Yeah, but he's a starting point guard, and I don't <laughs> think you bring that into class with Melo. But uh, I just don't want any more young players. The, the Hornets need some vets, that some some two-way guys and and veteran presence in there to change the coach. I think, like I said, this team needs a culture change more than anything, and I don't think Detroit has the assets to be able to give them uh, things in that aspect. Have y'all seen the uh, Jair Alexander coin flip? Debacle for sure. We it was it's have. fantastic. All right, so we we know by now that uh you know it, he also answered the question wrong to should have given Carolina the ball <laughs> to start the first and the third quarters. Well, now he's been suspended, and yesterday he addressed why he was out there for the coin toss. So were you supposed to be a captain? Because the team announces the three game captains, and you were the fourth, and you called a toss. What happened there? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. It's only suiting, you know. I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte, you know. So, so you just did that on your own? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, the guys backed me up, you know. So they, they knew I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which, in theory, could they could have said, then you're electing to kick to to uh, kick off what you had lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half? Yeah, no, I told them that, uh, I said, uh, I want I want our defense to be out there. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like, I want the defense to be out there. They're like, you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Did he, did he say that to you? Yeah, he did. The, the mic was on. Oh, well, yeah, he, he heard you. Hear oh, really? No, nah, he was just like, defer? I was like, yeah. Everybody was like, yeah. Everybody was laughing. I'm like, what are y'all laughing at? Like, pretty obvious what I'm asking for. So did anyone say anything to you when you got back to the no. sideline? <laughs> <laughs> Wes, you played football at a you know high level of high school, high level at the college level, and if Jerry Jones would have been smart, you, you would have been an all-pro left tackle in the NFL. <laughs> have you ever seen, were you ever part of such a debacle at the coin toss? And if you were one of his teammates... What would you have done to poor Jair Alexander? Um, you know, I just would have been like, hey, man, you know, what are you thinking? That that wasn't a smart move, you know, for the pride of Rocky River High School. And so, uh, but Jair, I'm not surprised that he would do something like this. And how would the coach who drafted you not know that you're from Charlotte? Like, they know every little thing about you and your background. So I think they, Coach LaFleur knew that. But I was just appalled at his lack of pretty common football knowledge when he got up there and said what he said. It's one thing if you're going to crash the party, but at least know the terminology and what the hell you're talking about. No, this is hilarious, guys. Like Jair <laughs> Alexander going and crashing the party on the coin toss, and he was acting, well, I'm from Charlotte, so I deserve to be out here. I. It's like, <laughs> is this what other coaches should be doing? Well, this guy is from the city. He can call whether it's heads or tails yeah. because that's this big homecoming event. What is Jair going to say? Heads or tails? <laughs> and Jair, well, the coach didn't know it. So it's what, what's great is that Jair flipped the narrative almost and saying, well, it's okay. Like, coach didn't know. Like, he's the one at fault, and I forgive him. I mean, that is an excellent command of the narrative at who's in the wrong here. And with the sunglasses, being so nonchalant in the locker room, I love everything about it. What I also love is Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. I was listening to Mina talk about this. And I forget who she had on. I need to look at the guest. But 
Matt LaFleur apparently goes to the officials before every coin toss, whether it be overtime, whether it be at the beginning of the game, and tells the officials what he wants before the players say it. Because apparently there have been problems understanding the language like deferring and things of that nature when you are trying to figure out whether you want to receive or kick off to get the ball at the second half. And so Matt LaFleur, great coaching moment for him, to be honest with you, because the officials are like, wait, no, that's not what's happening. The coach told me one thing. It's actually going to go with you guys. And so LaFleur, the fact that he was prepared for it is hilarious. And the fact that it came in handy is hilarious. All of it's funny. And Jair Alexander being suspended for a game, it's one of the better moments that we've seen in a comedic sort of category. Also, look at the stones that Matt LaFleur has to suspend him going into a must-win game on Sunday night against Minnesota, who has maybe the best wide receiver in football. Who locked him up last year. This isn't one of those, oh, we need our best cornerback for the best wide receiver. We can go back to last year when Jair Alexander put the clamps on him in a way that we have not seen any other cornerback do so up to that point. And this is a Jefferson that might not be 100% healthy because he's dealt with injuries all season long and you're still sitting him. He played the best any cornerback did against Justin Jefferson. And LaFleur is like, nah, I'm sitting him. And it's been a little bit of a down year. And Wes, I know you talked about him being hurt, but it's a good point you bring up because we have evidence. Alexander was great against him last season, and now he's not going to suit up this year. I would love for this to happen in college and see how a Saban, a Kirby Smart. Oh, my God, you'd be done. Because, like, LaFleur, you know, suspended him, but, like, notch, you know, just well, try. Well, it's a big deal. Yeah, right, but, yeah. like, one of those maniacs? Mm-hmm. He's that from dude, Charlotte. That dude be in the portal. Guys, he's from Charlotte. He, he deserved to be out there crashing the party. You know, calling what it should be heads or tails. That'll do it for the <laughs> live wire featuring Josh Fitty Marlowe. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Final thoughts on the Panthers Packers game. We also need to dive into this Hall of Fame discussion. Julius Peppers, does he deserve to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Does Steve Smith deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Period. It's coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. in a sumo we hope at least to get the show uh this is the weston walker show sports radio 92.7 wfnz that song is called sumo by denzel curry man and you know sumo is a big guy so we can be bigger than sumo that's pretty good (laughs) i would say they are they are big they are big guys i like the breakdown coming back just letting people know what the reference was about. yeah no doubt about it so uh keep the text coming on the charlotte men's clinic text line 704-570-9610 uh, we've got App State Tick talking about the 1982 championship mug was delivered to your residence at 1059. I hope you like it. To Fitty, Fitty, did you receive said championship <laughs> mug? 
Um, I guess I'll find out. <laughs> okay. Then Fiddy's getting a lot of gas on the text line. Stanford P called him a radio god. You know, I mean, Stanford P, you can't say stuff like that to Fiddy, man, because it just makes him uh, that much harder to deal with. I feel like when he Stanford P, like Stanford that. P knows this. That's why he calls him a yeah. radio god. That's why he says he is the station. Stanford P is not the guy I'm going to go to if I need to bring Fiddy down one, two, ten notches. Stanford P is the absolute last guy on my list that I'm going to go to. So uh, also another text there. So January 24th is the next time that the Hornets will face the Pistons. And Panther Cliff says, when do the Pistons play the Hornets again? That may be their next win. Walker, do you think that the Hornets will have to wait? until that long to get another victory? Because there's a few gettable games in the mix before that. Yeah, they've lost eight straight after this one against the Clippers. And I'm looking at their schedule now. They have a West Coast road trip that they're on currently. They have the Lakers tonight. These late tips, by the way. Tough to stay up for. But they have Phoenix on the road Friday, Denver, Sacramento. Chicago would be the next one that I would go to. You're talking about on the road against Chicago January 5th, and then you have them back-to-back, actually at home January 8th. That would be the two games I would go to on the road against San Antonio January 12th. That's probably, that would be my pick. You have three games in early January, even four if you want to count another game against San Antonio. So, look, I don't think you have to wait for what possibly might be the worst team in NBA history before you get a win. I don't <laughs> think it's going to be like that for Charlotte. And you have a few games left before that are certainly winnable. Yeah, so I think, though, that, yeah, I'm with you. They're not going to have to wait that long. I think that Spurs matchup, and they get them twice in a short span of games. They take them on January 12th, and then they play them on the 19th. So I'm going to pick at least one of those Spurs matchups. Maybe they can get both, so we'll see. But talking about the chances of the Carolina Panthers is they will take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we kind of started to break this football game down uh, a little bit when we talked about the problems that the Jaguars have been having. And with the Panthers coming in, in my opinion, going to be the more confident bunch. So what are the chances that they upset the Jags? And let's put a percentage on this thing, since we've already said we feel like that they have a shot. But what percentage would you put on this thing as far as the chance they have against the Jaguars? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think 30 to 35 is what immediately pops up and pops up in my head. That's what I'm rolling with, which is pretty good for a two-win football team. We're teetering on dysfunction level for Jacksonville right now. I like Doug Peterson as a head coach. I, I think he's done some good things. Of course, winning a Super Bowl, being the head guy, allowing Carson Wentz to play his best football of his NFL career, seeing Nick Foles go crazy on that Super Bowl run where they're able to take down the New England Patriots. Tom Brady himself, that's a crazy win. That's something to celebrate. But here we are where Jacksonville's defense is not good. They were okay at the beginning, not good in the second half. Trevor Lawrence hasn't taken that step up here, Wes. I think some of that I was starting to really chalk up more so to the offensive line not being good. Cam Robinson's had some injuries this year. Running game has not gotten going. Don't feel like they use Calvin Ridley as much as they should. But now Trevor Lawrence just turning the ball over way too much. And I I would still take Trevor Lawrence on my team. I, it's just I'm enthralled with the talent. I can't turn it down. If I am a fool for that, I'll be that. But I still think he's got a bright future. Wasn't a good year for him. And I expected him to be... Like maybe vaulting into the MVP discussion, like like as top, many did, yeah, yeah, and it has not even come close to that. So we're on dysfunction level now, and I, you know, Doug Peterson, if you miss the playoffs, AFC South, 
not an awful division by any means, but still not one of these great divisions. Like it should be there for Jacksonville to take care of, and they might lose it. Colts are up there. That was a bad game that they had against the Falcons, but Houston without CJ Stroud, is that the reason that the Jags are even in this fight anymore? So yeah, I think we got some dysfunction that they're experiencing, and I think there's a good shot. Maybe even I'll go up to forty. Give me forty. Like I've talked myself into giving them maybe an even a higher percentage. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go fifty fifty shot. There you go uh, in this game. I, I think they've got a puncher's chance to get this thing done. And, and, and when you look at Trevor Lawrence too, man, you know there's no bigger Trevor Lawrence fan than I. But uh, you know he's got he's sixth in the NFL in passing yards. He's 13th in touchdown passes, and he's got a QBR of 89.1, but he has been underwhelming. And I think when you look at the supporting cast, I think this is a guy that many people felt was a transcendent prospect that no matter who you put out there around him, that he was going to be able to dominate, and we haven't seen that yet. And I think Jacksonville, they're going to have to spend another offseason tweaking this roster. Now, we know uh, that Calvin Ridley has been a bit overwhelming, and so – they may need to go out and find a couple of more guys. Now, they did get some injuries. Christian Kirk uh, was a guy that when he went down, that kind of took a little bit of the air out of this offense, and they've been trying to fill um, that role. You look right now, Zay Jones is injured. So that receiving crew, Evan Ingram's had a little bit of a solid season, but still not a, a scary receiving coin. So I think that's one of the issues, too, because I think that when you see some of these interceptions that Trevor Lawrence is throwing, I think there's communication issues with some of the wide receivers because some of this stuff looks very uncharacteristic. I'm not completely absolving him, but when he makes a comment like, we don't even look like we practice, I would guarantee you some of that comes from receivers not quite knowing what they're doing, and it's affecting the rhythm and the flow um, of this offense. And so now when we turn the page and look at Carolina, and the performance that they had against Green Bay that we were all so excited about. And I, th- I think that got to start with the offensive line, a crew that's been much maligned this season. They come into the PFF rankings for uh, week 17 as the 28th rated offensive line in the game. But there are some positives to be taken, whether you talk about Iki Aquano allowing pressures on 7% of his past plays this season. They said that ranks fourth among 14 second-year offensive tackles. I still think that, uh, he struggled mightily this year, but that's something positive. And Walker, to your uh, favorite guy, Taylor Moten. I mean, they're talking about him playing uh, a fantastic season overall as far as how he's been, especially since week 10, 86.3 pass blocking grade since week 10, second among all offensive linemen. And I would imagine the only guy in front of him would be Trent Williams uh, from San Francisco. But I think the offensive line play has started to shore up enough to where this offense can be feasible. But when we look at the performances, you look at what Thielen did, you look at what Chark did. Do the Panthers need as many groceries as we once thought that they might once we've seen now the potential of what they can do against Green Bay? Or are we just completely jumping the gun here and they still need a crap ton of stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, I mentioned that the bar was on the floor a little earlier when referencing you know, what would be deemed a success. That's how it was with the skill guys in the offensive line at the beginning of the season. They are playing better. All units are. I think we've slowly seen Mingo get more integrated into the offense. Even if he wasn't against Green Bay, we had seen him trending up. DJ Chark, Tommy Tremble. We just talked about a few guys having their best games of the season. And in Tremble's case, best game of his career. So it was nice to see all of these guys starting to improve. 
I don't know if they need as many as we thought at the beginning of the season, but it's not stopping me from looking just as hard. I Look, Adam Thielen could be a second receiver next year, or if he's your first, I want somebody closing the gap because it's been Thielen, huge gap, whoever else is your next best pass catcher. Like, there is a monster gap between Thielen and whoever is there. I don't want there to be that big of a gap. I'd like to find somebody, if Thielen is not going to be your number one option, or if he is going to be that guy, maybe you find somebody that's right on par with him. 1A, 1B. Just somebody with similar production. Plus, even as well as Thielen has played, I can't bank on that every single year when you're that old at the wide receiver position. Like, it's going to happen at some point. That's no disrespect to him. That's disrespect to everybody that's ever been mid-30s about to continue to play the next season. You got to be like Steve Smith. Good. We'll get to him in a moment, but Steve Smith's out here getting 900 yards at age 37, but this is somebody that I believe is a hall of famer. So I can't expect good wide receivers, not hall of fame level receivers to continue that type of production. You still need wide receivers. I still need interior pass protection. You just went down the list. Icky's playing better football. Taylor's been a very good pass blocker. Even I can admit run blocking isn't great. But pass protection interior-wise, Wes, like, you need to shore that up. Yeah. And Bradley Bozeman, as much as we love him as a guy, great dude. It's not been a good pass protection year for him. And so I wonder what they have to do at center, even if he is such a good guy to have in that locker room. I just want him to be able to step up in the pocket certainly more frequently than he's been able to do. So, yeah, all that to say, you still got a lot of work to do to make sure this offense can be consistent. Yeah, I agree with you uh, 100%. I think that I'm not going to get too caught up in what they did against Green Bay. It was nice. It was great. We'll see if it continues. But I still think the grocery list is just as long as it was. Still have to shore up the interior of the offensive line. Like we said, DJ Chark probably doesn't return. Adam Thielen probably doesn't return. So you're going to have to go out and really show up this receiving core. Still need tight end. I think Chuba's been uh, a bright spot as well, but I still think, uh, you know, you still got to find some guys on the other side of that D-line and backers and and all of those things. So uh, I still think the grocery list is just as long as it was because at the end of the day, this is still a football team that only has uh, two wins. And so when you have a team that only got two wins, you're going to have to do uh, a lot of tweaking on these teams on both sides of the ball. And so speaking of that, uh, how disappointed were you in this defense uh, against the Packers? Because they came out, they give up 33 points. They don't get a turnover. They allowed 162 yards rushing on the ground, led by Aaron Jones that had 127 on only 21 carries. Uh, did this give you cause to pause on the defense? Uh, not not that I think it's going to continue. I just think it was a bad performance. You know, Joe Person actually had a recent article on The Athletic. Brian Burns commenting that it's been a rough year. He's not going to lie. We haven't seen him get home nearly as much. And how about that first half against Atlanta in week one? Dude was out on a mission. After all the contract conversation, Burns has two sacks, I believe, in the first half. And it's pretty quiet in that category. He's been very good in pass rush win rate. If you look at some of the advanced metrics, they would still tell you that Brian Burns is a good edge rusher. But I'm not so sure that he made more money by what he did this season. If he's still asking for $30 million per year, it's going to have to be based off what he did two seasons ago. And we know how much of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of league that it is. And so that's something that's a little concerning. The cornerbacks didn't play nearly as well as they have all year. Maybe not all year, but maybe the last eight games coming into this one, Wes. J.C. Horn, not as good in coverage. Dante Jackson, not as good as I thought he had been playing. Xavier Woods, I think, not nearly as good. And so the secondary... With some talented young wide receivers with Green Bay, Jordan Love made some nice plays here. 
don't feel like the secondary was nearly as productive as we've seen from them. So I, I think this is a, a one-off. I expect them to get back on track against Jacksonville where their offense, their running attack certainly has not been productive this year. But yeah, it was disappointing. If they play up to the level that they had been, then maybe Carolina wins this game. It's the only 30-point performance we've seen from the offense. Defense didn't do their job, and they eventually lost. Yeah, and the thing that's funny too, man, is football is just a funky game like that. I played on so many teams that you want the offense, and they're leaving a lot to be desired, and you want the offense to get it going. Once they do, the defense starts to take a step back. It just always seems like with some teams, you can't ever get that synergy between offense and defense, and that's what a lot of the great teams do. I think um, – this defense, they played against a balanced Green Bay attack, a desperate Green Bay team that was really coming out uh, with their backs against the wall. They put together a great game plan, and they kept Carolina off balance. I mean, Aaron Jones came out there and was running the rock as good as he ever has. Jordan Love, we know the type of football he's been playing. We talked about it in the player rankings coming in uh, to this matchup. So uh, I'm disappointed in the defense to an extent, but again, over a long season, you're going to have games like that. This has been a stout unit. They're still sixth in the NFL in total defense, but I do think that Green Bay just had a better game plan that kept them off balance and uh, really got the best of them. But uh, coming up down the stretch, we'll see if they get back on track. But I think for Edgerow Everett and the crew, it's been a pretty good year for the most part. But again, talking about those groceries, the pass rush, still not getting home enough uh, on the quarterback. And so uh, this defense did leave a lot to be desired. And, and plain and simple, they got punk. When you get run on the way, Green Bay. Aaron did, Jones was great in this punk. game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you needed to tackle a lot better, and Aaron Jones was breaking tackles left and right, and it was off the rip. They allowed twenty three in the first half. So even if you played better in the second, to get that many points scored on you in the first half, that's going to be a rough outing. Like already, you're dealing with a deficit with this offense. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that are. You know, surprised to see Carolina even be able to tie this thing up. You're down 23 to, I think it was 10. I mean, it, it feels like a long shot that you're going to come back. But offense has been playing better. Defense has one step back. What I will say is I don't think this is going to continue. Like, Averro has shown, you know, uh, too much production with what he's done as a defensive coordinator for me to expect this to continue the last couple of weeks against offenses where Tampa Bay has been playing a lot better the last month and a half or so. Like it feels like they've had a good first quarter of the season fell off. Now they're back the last month, Jacksonville first half, good second half, bad. And so you know, there, there are some, I, I, I think the defense will play pretty well the last couple games. Yeah. So we shall see. And when we come back, Walker, we didn't get to get to, the Steve Smith conversation, but we're going to get to that on the other side. Should he be a Hall of Fame finalist? Is there a real shot he doesn't ever make it? So we're going to talk about that and close this thing down on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
Last segment here on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Man, it's been a topic we've been trying to get to all day long. We did fire a fizzle, then we switched over to Ben Johnson, maybe making $15 million a year for whatever team he coaches next season. Lots to get to. And so we haven't gotten to the Hall of Fame conversation. Mm-hmm. Julius Peppers named one of the top 15 finalists to be inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. So there's still that shot that he will be inducted as soon as his first year eligible to get into the NFL Hall of Fame. Steve Smith, not one of the 15 finalists. We've talked about this a couple times already on Wesson Walker, whether we feel he should be in the Hall of Fame. Not going to be first ballot anymore, as we've come to know the last couple of seasons. Julius Pepper still has that possibility, though. Let's start there here, Wes, because I think all of us can agree. We had this conversation a couple of days ago. Um, or I should say just last week, Luke Keekley, Steve Smith, Julius Peppers, among the best players at their position when they were playing for Carolina. Julius, I think, goes into a different stratosphere of you know being, what, a top five defensive end of all time, possibly. Mm-hmm. He's fourth in sacks all time, only a half sack behind Kevin Green, also a Panther, at 160. Julius Peppers is there at 159 and a half. He's also second enforced fumbles ever created only behind Robert Mathis, who was crazy good at that 20th on all time sacks list. Number one enforced fumbles, Julius fourth on sacks list, second enforced fumbles. Like we could stat you to death. We know what time it is with Julius. Julius is a first ballot hall of famer. And I don't know the case against it, to be honest with you. No, to me, Julius Peppers, there's no question about it. I mean, his greatness and, Everything that he represented, two-time All-Decade, as Fiddy loves to bring up. Well, that is just ridiculous. Well, that yeah. that's my favorite stat of all time. It, yeah. it just, as far as the accolades, the fact that you are a All-Decade member in 2000, the 2000s decade and the 2010s, I it's as crazy an acknowledgement as you can get. And we've seen some of these other players, maybe Jerry Rice would be somebody that would be kind of in that mold. But Julius doing that at a premium position, too. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a seven-time All-Pro, nine Pro Bowls. Uh, like I said, that All-Decade team. And it's kind of that argument, too, man. You know, if you want to put him up, you got the Bruce Smiths, you got the Reggie Whites, top of the top. And it's like when you talk about the biggest freaks, though, and each of them was in their own way, but it doesn't get any more freakish than Julius Peppers. And so I think that's another thing that makes him – just a supreme candidate to go in, what he brought to the position, what things we hadn't seen before. Reggie White had that hip toss. He had that just sheer country power. (laughs) But Pep had the supreme athleticism to go along with the power. I mean, he would put together combinations of plays that were just sick. I mean, he'd bull rush a guy and just put him right on his back and get a sack or he might make a quick reaction, tip a ball to himself, run it all the way in, and not to mention go out and play the occasional wide receiver. I wanted like him to have did. a touchdown reception yes, so bad. he did that too. So, yeah, no question to me, Pep is a guy that's going in. He's going to get that gold jacket. Um, how about four interceptions returned for a touchdown yeah. as a defensive end? That's pretty tough to do. And he did have two fumble recoveries for a touchdown. One he returned 42 yards, another he returned 60. That was early on in his NFL career. So that guy having six defensive touchdowns, that's a lot for a defensive end. A lot. And and we can even remember, I think he still holds the record. I think this is correct. For longest interception return without a touchdown. He did it against the Broncos, uh, you know, however long ago it was. So almost seven of them. I love hearing people talk about his freakazoid stories in practice. Love hearing it. Doesn't matter who you talk to. They say, yeah, he was just different immediately. 
wins defensive rookie of the year, so was impactful right away. Actually had 12 sacks in 2002, which was his rookie year. Never had the crazy sack season. The most he ever recorded in a year was 14 and a half, and that was in 2008. That was the second to last year that he played here in Carolina. But even still, to be that consistent, and even the second to last season that he played in the NFL, remember when he came here for a swan song and he had 11 sacks in 2017? Like an impact player coming back. It was really cool to see him be able to ride off into the sunset with those types of numbers. Let's get to Steve Smith because I think we all agree. I don't know if it's for sure that Julius is going to get in there first ballot. I hope so. But we all think that he deserves to. You can't be two-time all-decade and not be a first-bound Hall of Fame. Like, at that point, get rid of the all-decade teams. Well, I have a problem with how lots of Hall of Fames deals with things. I hate it. It's one of my biggest soapboxes in sports, the way that the MLB Hall of Fame is oh, constructed. Worst worst Hall of Fame in the history of Hall of Fame. Well, and I one of my biggest things here is that wide receivers getting treated the way that they do when it comes to the NFL Hall of Fame list, like, it's just ridiculous. Because when you see Steve Smith not even make the top 15 finalists with the kind of numbers that he posted and the type of player that he was, I also don't see a case for it. I really don't. You can talk about Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne. All three of them are in the top 15 finalists to possibly get into the Hall of Fame. The fact that Torrey Holt is not in already, dumb. Torrey Holt was crazy good. Six straight seasons of 1,300 yards or more. Eight straight seasons of 1,100 yards or more. Six straight seasons with 90-plus catches, too. Deep threat. Didn't matter how you wanted it. Torrey Holt could give you the business, okay? And the fact that he's not in, that's a shame. Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, I think both of them deserve to get in it. But the fact that Steve Smith isn't even a finalist, Wes, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. He only played two more years than Andre and Reggie. Only eight more games overall than Reggie Wayne, yet still Steve Smith is higher than all three of them on the all-time receiving list. It's not like he's some compiler. He was going to go over 900 yards in his final season had he played all 16 games, but also 814, that ain't too bad for a 37-year-old either. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, 37. Dude won a triple crown. (laughs) I mean, that's basically the MVP award that is possible for an NFL receiver to win. You win the triple crown, It's as good a season as you could possibly have compared to everybody else. And he was a pro bowler right away. Comes into the league as a pro bowl guy on special teams before he starts to help out the team as a wide receiver. Colin has talked about his playoff success. Again, here I am statting you to death, but I don't even need to. I think Steve Smith is one of the biggest badasses in sports history, no matter what sport you're talking about. Like, I feel pretty comfortable standing on that. Maybe you don't uh, top five, top 10 rank radio stuff. I don't know where he falls, but I can tell you whatever percentage you're talking about and any percentage that matters, Steve Smith being that small, wreaking that much havoc on the league will fight you right here, right now and win. I don't care how big you are. He will win it. And he will also be top 10 in wide receiving all time list touchdowns. you, You see what he's able to do with as much as we love Jake DeLome. Jake DeLome's not Kurt Warner. He's not Peyton Manning. Matt Schaub is the only comparable thing that you have with him having thrown to Andre Johnson, but in a conservative offense, having played with multiple different QBs in his career in order to reach these achievements. Tell me where Steve Smith doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. It's stupid. It's why I hate the Hall of Fame process. And guy, like, you can go with the, oh, well, everybody deserves to get in, Walker. No, I want it very simple. I want people who deserve to be in the Hall of Fame to be in the Hall of Fame. 
I don't care about how many finalists you got. Oh, you can't let everybody in. We can let people that deserve to be in. We can let those guys in. And Steve Smith is one of those guys. Yeah, it just gets tough because if you do go to the arguments where you want to put guys in and just because they deserve to be in, it's like, well, how big would your class be every year? And this, that, and a third. And I think it puts a little more of a premium on it when they do it in the way that they do. But I'm with you, though. There's so many guys that are well-deserving of getting in. And so with Steve, you know, I just look at the guys that are his peers that are on the finalist list. And when you look at Andre Johnson and, and Torrey Holt and some of their bigger stats, I think Andre Johnson, that run he had was tremendous, not to mention being uh, – a four-time All-Pro, but he had four seasons with 100 receptions and 1,400-plus uh, yards on his resume. Those are two of his bigger uh, accolades, so to speak. And then we talked about some of the ones with Torrey Holt, and there, he is one of only five receivers that's had 1,600-plus uh, yards receiving uh, in a season. He had two seasons of that. So they're all worthy in their own right. And it just gets down to how you want to be able to do it. And when you look at the 15 finalists overall, because that's why I just go to the peer groups because it's like, well, who do you take out? And all of these guys were such great players at such different positions. And they're going to be weights um, at a lot of different positions because there's so many great players. I mean, Fred Taylor was a guy that immediately stuck out to me uh, on the list too, as a guy that's been waiting for a long time. And there are so many, but I think they're all deserving in their own right, and I think Steve will eventually uh, get in, and I think he certainly has a case over the Andre Johnsons uh, and the Tory Holtz, but it just didn't work out for him this time. Yeah, I'm, it, it frustrates me every single year. We, we've already had this conversation, but I, I don't want to have it again next year because I'm going to go, yeah, Stanford P said go to the foul line. If we had enough time, if we weren't <laughs> about to hand this thing off to Kyle, I might and just repurpose everything I just said. But I don't want to have this conversation next year. The guy's top 10 in all-time receiving yards and was doing it even as he approached his mid-30s. I With that quarterback, as I like Jake DeLone, man, but he ain't Kurt Warner. He's not right. a Hall of Famer. Right. What 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 in the world is the case against him? Like I really don't understand it, to be honest with you. We can't go championship. The guy in the playoffs did everything he could. I mean, we all remember the Chicago game. We all remember him ex-clown against the Rams. Showed up in among the biggest moments that we can think of from a wide receiver with this franchise. It, Steve Smith is a Hall of Famer. Whether or not the Hall of Famer voters, voters actually uh, decide to put him in or not. Knowledge him. That'll do it. For Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Here started I am. with smoke and I, it was smoke. I know. I should, I should have started with this, right? Because now I'm passionate. Now I'm worked up. Kyle Bailey will take it home. I saw his tweet about Steve, uh, too. Totally on point. Hear what else Kyle Bailey has to say coming up next. Alongside Smoke Ludwig at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.